0: For those of you who don't know me, my name's Rob. I'm a member of the congregation here, and I also serve on the PCC. Um, Before I start, shall shall we pray? Father, I just pray that you'll be with us this morning, wherever we are, whether that's at home or here in church, that you would speak to us through your spirit, and that by your word, we would be healed. Amen. So I'm going to say this is probably one of the best known of all of the Psalms. I reckon if you asked any person on the street, whether they're a churchgoer or not, to quote you something from the Psalms, you've probably got a better than even chance that they're going to pick one of these verses, or that at least they'll know of them. I mean, there's lots of imagery in this Psalm around shepherds and around valleys and feasts and cups, and that's so much more than we're going to have time to get into today. You see, if we break it down, we can actually see that inside this psalm there is the story of a journey and a destination. Jess and I are blessed enough to be able to travel quite regularly. It's often to go and visit her family in America. And now perhaps my childlike obsession and love of planes and flying aside, I think for most of us we generally view the journey as something that we have to endure in order to get to the holiday or the family and friends on the other side. See, the first half of this psalm does describe the journey. And it's a journey that we're all on. It's the journey of our lives here on earth. And well, let's be honest, sometimes it is going to be a rough ride. There will be delays. There'll be cancellations. There'll be flat tires, closed roads, and diversions. Sometimes, though, the road might be a little bit easier. There'll be surprise upgrades to first class with noise-cancelling headphones there will be like those moments on a long car journey when you just turn around the corner and you see a view so stunning that you just have to pull over to the side and just marvel at its beauty. You see, what David reminds us in this psalm is that no matter how hard or how easy our journey might be, we are never going to be without a traveling companion to help us through it, to celebrate it with us, and to guide us. And then at the end of the psalm, in the last two verses, he reminds us of our destination. What is waiting for us at the end of our travels? Something more amazing than the beaches of Barbados, something more awesome than the snow covered Alps. What awaits us at the end of our journey is eternity with our loving Father in heaven. We will, as David puts it right at the end of the psalm in verse six, dwell in In the house of the Lord forever. So, if you've got your Bible with you, please do keep it open. We're going to jump in and out of this psalm as we see how God equips us for our journey and how in Jesus he has secured our destination. Have a look at verse 1. Probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, if there is anyone in the Bible qualified to talk about shepherding, then it's probably David, the shepherd who became a king. And now when I think about shepherds, I generally think of the lake district, of, of green fells, of like gentle becks rolling down the side of the hill, of the wise shepherd with his trusty collie trotting obediently by his side, caring sheep penned in by those quaint dry stone walls. Well, that might have something to do with me having been raised on Arthur Ransom's Swallows and Amazons books. But David's view of shepherding would have been very different. He was a shepherd in the dry and rocky landscape of the Middle East. His experience would have been in knowing where there was enough grass and shrubs poking out from among the rocks that his flock might actually be able to feed, even if they had to walk a couple of days to get there. He knew where he'd be able to find the scant water that was still and calm enough for the sheep to drink. And in 1 Samuel 17, he tells King Saul of the times that he had to fight off lions and bears to protect the lambs. David's view of shepherding would have been far from idyllic. But now we see how his experience of a shepherd contrasts to that of the Lord as our shepherd. See, in the psalm, we don't have to walk days and scramble over rocks to find the few edible grasses. No, we, we lie in green pastures. We don't have to scramble for water because our shepherd leads us beside still waters. This is a shepherd who provides for us in a way that David could have only ever dreamed of being able to provide for his flock. And it's a provision that is promised to us today. It's important that we realize it isn't always going to be provision in the physical sense, though. See, in John 4, Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman at the well. And this is what he says. He says, everyone who drinks this water, the water from the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring welling up to eternal life. The water that we are provided with, the still calm waters that we are led beside, is the living water of Jesus Christ. Something that will, in every possible way, refresh our souls. See, we've not been sent out on this journey ill-equipped. We have been made, we have been promised all that we need. Although at times, I think we have to admit, it might not feel like that. At times, the journey just feels like it's about to overwhelm us. Maybe we've been furloughed, made redundant. Maybe we or or, or someone near us has gotten sick. Debts might be crashing down around us. But you see, this is where the last duty of the shepherd comes into play. If we read on into Psalm, we read on in the Psalm. We get to famous quote number two, or verse four, if you'd rather. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You See in Samuel, when we talked about earlier, when David describes his role of the shepherd to King Saul, justifying why he can fight the giant Goliath, he, exam- he explained in vivid detail. That when a bear or a lion took one of the lambs, he would have to go after it. And he would have to rescue that lamb from the jaws of the wild animal. Even though he knew that that beast would eventually turn on him. You see, dark valleys will come. It's not always going to be green pastures and quiet waters. There will be times where we feel like that helpless lamb being carried off in the jaws of a wild beast. That might even be where you are right now. But the promise of rescue is woven throughout the Bible. In the book of John, Jesus describes himself as a shepherd. One who protects his sheep. Who knows them intimately. A shepherd who will lay his life down for his sheep. But before we get to the end of our journey, it's important that we recognize that the role of the shepherd isn't just there to help the sheep through whatever the path may throw at them. The shepherd actually chooses the path. He guides them. He shows them the way to go. If we have a look in verse 3 in this psalm, David makes it really clear. He says, he guides me on along the right paths for his name's sake. So he's leading us on the right paths, yet still we end up in darkest valleys. So maybe then we have to remember that if Jesus is our shepherd, maybe sometimes the darkest valleys are the right paths for us. And now if you've ever been through one of those valleys, or indeed perhaps you are in one now, I know that isn't the easiest thing to hear. In those valleys we can feel abandoned. We can be hurting. We can be struggling to see the light that is promised. And to just be told that it might be the right path doesn't really help us. And so this is where us, this is where we as a church family come in. If you know anyone in one of those valleys, can I encourage you to walk with them, pray with them, listen to them, read God's word with them. And if you're in one of those valleys, please can I encourage you to reach out to someone in the church family, in your small group, in the leadership team, or even just by emailing the office. We would love the opportunity to share that journey with you. See, it's at those times when we feel the most lost that God is often most at work in our lives. See, in his book, Wasteland, this one to Highly recommend this book if you ever get a chance to read it. This is Wasteland, Encountering God in the Desert by Mike Pellavachi. He writes of a time when he was in one of these valleys. And he turned to the writing of the Apostle Paul. And this is what he writes. He says, he seemed to plant more churches than anyone else. He pioneered taking the gospel to the Gentiles. And he wrote most of the letters in the New Testament. However you measure success, it would be hard to find a more successful Christian than Paul. And that is why his two letters to the church in Corinth are so shocking. The major theme of these two letters is not, as I had supposed, the gifts of the spirit or sexual morality or divisions in the church. The major theme is clearly finding God's strength in our weakness. Paul talks about his sufferings, trials and vulnerabilities again and again. You see, throughout his ministry, Paul was persecuted and often imprisoned. Life was not tea and biscuits or even green pastures and still waters. Yet no one can deny that God was at work in and through Paul in every possible way. So if in our journey we are guided and protected by our shepherd Jesus, where is that path actually leading us see we get a hint of that in verse five if you have a look it says you prepare before me in the pre- table. you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies in isaiah 25 heaven is likened to a great banquet we read the lord almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all the people a banquet of aged wines the best of meats The finest of wines. You see, even in the presence of all that stands against us in this world, every diversion in our journey, every dark valley that we pass through, our Father is preparing a place for us at the table in heaven. Isn't that just such an amazing picture? That whatever our individual journeys look like, this is what awaits us. Look at the end of verse 5. Our cups will overflow. Yeah, there's a contrast to be made here too. Compare our cups, our overflowing cups, with the cup that Jesus drank from. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before he was betrayed, he cried out, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. See, our cup overflows because Jesus drank his to the bitter dregs. He died on the cross so that the price of our sin would be paid. And it is that that makes David's last line of the psalm as true for us today as it was for him when he wrote it. Surely your goodness and love will follow me All the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God is with us. And he will always be with us. So over the last few weeks. As we've looked through the Psalms. We've looked at the themes of lament. Of fear. And of weariness. But as we read this Psalm. We can know that through all the world throws at us, both good and bad, God is always with us. He is nourishing us. He is providing for us, guiding us, loving us. My prayer today is that wherever you are in your journey, whether it's a green pasture or the deepest of valleys, that you would know this truth in your heart. And that throughout everything, you would know that the hope for the end of your journey is found in him. So as I come to a close, I'm going to read a couple of verses from Hebrews. Uh, I think they sum up the message that this psalm has for us today. As I do that, you might find it helpful just to hold out your hands, maybe close your eyes, and to just dwell in his presence for a moment. Hebrews 12, verses 2 to 3. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such oppression And from sinners, that you will not grow weary and lose heart.